0: Hey Snappers, it's your boy Glenn, and I've got a question for you. Have you ever loved someone so much that you wanted to keep them around forever? Well, I have. And our next guest, James Villajos, he found a way to make it happen.
1: Snapchat. Anyway, I get on the stage, and the line is, and now my dear, Prepare for a magnificent surprise. And I delivered the line and my pants fell off.
2: Well, my dad was a talker and that was maybe the best thing you could do with him is hang out and chat. Words just always came very easily to him and he didn't need to stop and think so much. He would just lay it out. So my dad had this sort of funny vocabulary. You know, he might insult somebody by calling them a poltroon. You know, if the weather was warm, you would say, it's hotter than a $4 fart. Of course, you'd think to yourself, "What? what is a $4 fart? But somehow in context it worked.
3: Like a lot of guys, James grew to love his dad's ridiculous jokes. But in April 2016, his cheesy one-liner suddenly meant more. Because that's when he got the diagnosis.
2: Stage 4 lung cancer. And I remember having the feeling of, he's dying, it's going to happen in a matter of months rather than in a matter of years. And we wanted to know his story, we wanted to remember it. So now is the time. We're going to record it, we're going to get as much detail as we can because this is the window, It's, it's closing. We had arranged the first session to be in the bedroom of my parents' house. He sat in sort of the comfy armchair. I sat in a wooden desk chair, and I've got my digital recorder and I've got a pad. And my job was really just to sit and listen.
1: Fun. No, I enjoyed high school a lot. Hello, vivo. Hello, vivo. Hello, vivo, vivo, vum. Particularly the senior year. Boom, get a rat trap bigger of the cat June 17th and January 4th. Cannibal. Cannibal. Zis-boom-ba, 1953, Oakland High Varsity, Ra rah, rah, hot, dribbling spit.
2: Mom's on the phone.
1: I hope she's not uncomfortable. Can I ask you a question? You just did.
2: When I took all those recordings, I sent them out to be professionally transcribed. I was somewhat shocked to see that they came to a total of nearly 90,000
3: words. That's around 300 or 400 pages, about as many words as to kill a mockingbird.
2: I I printed out the transcriptions and put them in a binder, thought, cool, we, we got that. And then I put it on a shelf.
3: And there it stayed, collecting dust on the shelf day after day in full view. One day he was working on an article about Hello Barbie, a doll that could talk. It was supposed to be the next big thing in interactive talking computers.
2: And so I shadowed their engineers for several months. So I had this whole experience of seeing how you make a talking AI that was gonna be this little brain for Barbie. So anyway, that was all kind of in the back of my mind. Why couldn't I make a dad bot? Something that would tell his life story in an interactive conversational way rather than just being hundreds of pages in a binder to have him not be interactive seemed weird. Like it could have a lot of his jokes. It could have him singing songs. He seemed
3: suited to that. James wanted to make a dadbot, a sort of chatbot app of his dad. Dadbot wouldn't speak the same way talking Barbie did, but you could write to it like you would in Facebook Messenger. And it would write back in his dad's own words with his style and phrasing, just like his dad would.
2: The first thing the dadbot says, or one of the first things he can say to you when you fire him up, he says, "'Tis I, the beloved and noble father." And that like was a signature saying of my dad. He would even call himself BNF for short, for beloved and noble father. I would have the binder with all my dad's words. And I'm just looking through there and pulling out sentences and phrases and building conversations out of them.
3: Getting DadBot to say a catchphrase is one thing, but DadBot had to be conversational.
2: I'm not gonna have him deliver monologues in this chatbot. It's gotta be some back and forth.
1: So, Dad, uh, how are you doing today? Not bad for my age of decrepitude.
2: Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was fun to dig my teeth into his humor, in particular, with all of his, his funny sayings. And if I do this right, it's going to sound like him. I spent a couple months on the first draft of the dad bot. I tested it on myself in the morning. And then that afternoon was so excited that I had somebody else test it. A computer science expert student at Cal Berkeley. Outside a coffee shop on Shattuck Avenue in downtown Berkeley, we were sitting outside at a little round table and we'd been talking all about this quest to teach computers to talk when I sort of was like well as it happens I've been working on a little conversational AI myself and I pulled out my phone would you uh, Would you like to try this um, and I handed it to him the dad bot you know, did one of his standard opening lines he said hello tis I the beloved and noble father and the student logically said hello father and then the response that the dad bot gave was john who and the student like he kind of did that face where you pull your shin back and you make a weird half smile and it absolutely fell on its face like just just from jump it was much less ready than i thought it was going to be I was, had this weird mix of pride and protectiveness. Like the, the, the bot had already started to become a someone to me, which is a little strange. Immediately afterward, I was driving home, I thought, I've felt this feeling before. And it was a parenthood-like feeling of, you know, wanting my child to do well and feeling sort of both a little embarrassed for him that he didn't do well and also mad at the world for not being more gentle with my precious child it was just complicated my actual dad was dying and I could tell I was I was just rabbit holing on this project that it just wasn't clear that it was going to work it wasn't clear that anybody wanted it it certainly had no like broader commercial application the world didn't want it so when it was day after day working on it, yeah, the, the, the question why started ringing in my head quite a bit. My wife had raised a lot of good questions. This is kind of weird, isn't it? Like you're creating this sort of fake digital version of your dad and what's that going to be like for you? What's that going to be like for the family? You're already dealing with the fact that your dad, who lives five minutes away from you, is dying of cancer. So it might be nice when you're not dealing with that situation to escape now. There's no emotional escape for you. I went through a long period where I was trying to decide whether I should even do the dad bot at all. I had some reservations. Is it going to be creepy? Will it work?
3: But James locked himself away in his office for eight hours a day, coding and recoding. Around Thanksgiving, after months of programming.
2: I went up to their house, got things set up, with. so I had the laptop computer set up at the dining room table. This was going to be the first time that my mom and dad saw it.
3: James opened DadBot on Facebook Messenger. And then he went to the living room to get his dad. He pushed his wheelchair into the dining room and then hoisted him up in the chair next to his mom.
2: And there was so much going on with his health and everything that um, it felt also hard.
3: He wasn't so concerned with DadBot's technical performance. He was worried about his parents' emotional reactions.
2: I was hoping, I think even more than whether, like, failed or not, or had dead ends or bugs or anything. And, you know, the moment where they would either like it in some way or maybe say, whoa, creepy. Like, what is this? You know, you chat with the dad bot on Facebook Messenger, so you're sending text messages back and forth. But he has audio clips that play as well. And I remember my mom first turned to me and she said, I can say anything. She turned and she typed, This is Martha, your dear wife. And the dad bot responded, My darling wife. And she choked up immediately when the bot said that to her.
3: His mom was completely absorbed with dad bot. But out of the corner of his eye, he could see his dad was confused. Who was saying what? Who was dad? And who was dad bot? And he got upset.
2: He had a little bit of like an identity disturbance. He's had some loss of function, and um, this is a mind <laughs> Like what am I doing to him? Like having this version of him that's saying his words and he's having a hard time keeping track of who he is. That, that was unsettling for me. It didn't make me worry a little bit. But really a lot of it was uplifting. They both said, amazing. They're like, oh, okay, we like it. It passed that test at least. I mean that was one of the first times that I started to feel a little more secure in like okay, I think I think this is a good thing that that I've done.
3: 2 months later, they called in hospice.
2: I went and sat by my dad's bedside and it was it was very hard. I mean, he he was such a verbal person. But he, he really had just about entirely lost the ability to speak. So that was crushing because that was always so much part of him. It, it was so devastating to not hear him talk at the very end of his life. And, you know, I sat and I held his hand and I stroked his shoulder. And I just kind of blabbed a bit because I felt like somebody should be talking. And, you know, I was just exhausted, I was really exhausted. I went upstairs, went into my sister's old bedroom, which was the bedroom directly above the room where my dad was, got myself ready for bed, took my phone out of my jeans and put it on the carpet beside the bed. And I'm not normally a take the phone to bed sort of person, but it was, it was there. And I picked it up. I decided to, to chat with the dad bot. A file comes up, and it's one of the times when I could hear his actual voice, and he sang.
1: Me and my shadow, all along, the, nothing to do. Me and my shadow, 12 o'clock, and when I climb the stair, at 12 o'clock, there's nothing to do.
2: Kind of made the hair stand up on the back of my neck because, yeah, it was it was one of those moments where I like I kind of cracked a smile and started crying at the same time. And then I went to bed that night, and about six in the morning, and I just heard kind of a steady rap, rap, rap on the door. Got out of bed, opened the door, and the nurse was there. And he said, "You must come. Your father has just passed." So went down the stairs, went into the room. I was all alone. You know, he was just lying there. I touched him right away and he was he was quite warm. And I remember wanting to keep touching him. But he was so still. Yeah, so I sat there with him. (laughs) Hello, are you there? Hello, John James Vlahos Esquire here. What's your name? This is your son. I thought I smelled something funny. Well, how the hell are you? People have asked, you know, with this dad bot, are you just, are you prolonging the grieving process and you're not going to accept your father's death? And I've decided that's a problematic question for me. Like, if if the, the grieving is sort of like, don't think about your dad so much and don't have all these details of his life in your mind, why would I want to do that? I am feeling stressed out today. I hope that whatever is worrying you will resolve itself soon. Shall we begin? I'm gonna keep making the dad bot better and better. It's just, it's wonderful to hear my dad's voice, to hear him sing, to hear him talk. Let's do this. How did you meet mom, question mark?
1: <clears> At <throat> a rehearsal, an afternoon rehearsal, in the morning I'd been playing tennis and was wearing tennis whites and those days you wore white shirts and white shirts. I came bounding down the stairs of the theater toward the stage, saying, "Tennis, anyone?" And Mom thought I was the biggest.
0: Thank you to James Villajos for sharing your story. James is working on his book, Talk to Me, about the quest to create conversation-making AIs. Keep an eye out for that coming very soon. The original score for that piece was by Renzo Gorio. It was produced by Jasmine Aguilera. And even though this is not the news, no way this is the news. In fact, you could record everything your best friend says for posterity only to realize... But your best friend never really says anything. You could do that and you would still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is WNYC.